1: Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Sean Payton, he has said himself in an interview with, coincidentally, Tom Brady, he's going to come back this year or next year, but sooner than later, he will be coaching again. One of the practical realities is you've got to go where the openings are, and even though there are six, seven, or eight a year, it's got to line up just right. You've got to feel good about the money, obviously. You've got to feel good about the power that you have or don't have, the opportunity. Can you put together a team that will win a Super Bowl? Coaches who have won a Super Bowl are very aware of the fact that no one has won a Super Bowl with two different teams. No one. Bill Parcells came close. Right. But no one has pulled it off. No one's pulled it off. Sean Payton, I think, would like to pull it off, as would any coach that's won a Super Bowl with one team. If he ever leaves, he'd like to be that one to do it. So, there are some openings this year. Currently three, Panthers, Colts, Broncos. He's not going to the Panthers. I'd be surprised if he goes to the Colts, although it would seem like a place where maybe he could make something happen if Jim Irsay would let him do his thing. He'd have to find a good quarterback. Broncos, we kind of talked about it yesterday. I I don't know. Chargers isn't going to open up now that they've made the playoffs. That was the spot where we all thought he would land. And, you know, Chris, the Cowboys is the one – that is just kind of hanging out there. I think if they go one and done again this year, after all the expectations they build up through a great season, I, I think Mike McCarthy could be in trouble. If Jerry Jones is willing to buy out his contract, that's one of the things Jones doesn't like to do. He doesn't like, he doesn't like to buy out, doesn't like to pay guys to not work. But if he's willing to buy out Mike McCarthy and, and pay Sean Payton, hey, I, I mentioned playmakers earlier. Let me mention it again. There's a whole chapter in there about this dynamic of coaches and trading for coaches and Sean Payton four years ago was a day away from becoming not officially the coach of the Cowboys, but a day away of the process activating itself that would have resulted in Sean Payton becoming coach of the Cowboys. So to me, of any of the jobs out there with teams that he hasn't coached before the Cowboys is the one that I would be keeping an eye on. And it depends upon what they do in that first round of the playoffs.
2: Yeah. I I, I hear that. I mean, it seems to be the most sensible you know, connection with, with Sean Payton. It's, it's been a rumor for a long time. So I understand that uh, Mike McCarthy has done a good job. i I'm, I'm I, I guess I, I feel like the year they're having, man, I mean, I I'd have a hard time thinking that Jerry would fire Mike McCarthy, even if it was one and done, but, but I don't know. Again, he's getting there to an age where maybe he's impatient and he wants better results right now to, to kind of what you're saying. The Sean Payton rumor with the Saints, to me, it is shocking. Like you said in the tease going to the break, it's shocking, that rumor. I have a hard time kind of getting behind I was it. Trying to
0: build to that, I was trying to, okay. I trying to build to that point. You just ripped the sheet right off I, of it. I wanted to exhaust all
2: non you know, saints
0: options I, before we got to the you know, Saints Mike,
2: options. Mike, I wasn't sure because I was sitting here like looking things up, and I wrote something in my notepad, and I was like, "Wait, did he actually say the Saints thing yet or not?" And I kind of took it that you had, not so bad. that's on my, that's on me, my it's bad there, Mike. I'm all sorry. Right. So do you, go ahead. do you want to lay We're, it out there? Yeah, full transparency here. <laughs>
1: Uh, this,
0: this, this, this is all happening in real time as we have this conversation. But let me just say this about the Cowboys before yeah. we pivot to the Saints. Sorry, That's what sorry. the tease was about. There's, yeah. a, there's a there's a sense in league circles that he's going back to the Saints. Okay. If the Cowboys go one and done, and if at the end of the day there's a post-mortem, like the one there was last year after they lost to the 49ers – where it's all about how they coached and practiced and prepared for that outside the box. Dak runs the quarterback draw, and the whole thing is premised on having enough time to spike the ball. Yeah. And they forgot to allow for the reality that the umpire has to somehow like, run to transport through multiple bodies to get in position. That they, you know, it was just a failure of coaching, a failure of practice. Remember, we asked C. D. Lamb about it at the Super Bowl. How much you guys practice is not very much. Or did you have an official out there? That's what it was. Yeah. Did you have an official out there who was who was, you know, playing that same role to fully simulate what you're trying to do? And when you talk about those kind of details, some coaches are obsessed with those details, like Sean Payton, and some coaches aren't. That could be the thing, Chris. I hear you. It would get Jerry Jones. I think to seriously consider it. If we lose this again because of some coaching nuance that Mike McCarthy doesn't appreciate, doesn't understand, doesn't execute, and I know Sean Payton would, that could be the tipping point for Jerry Jones.
2: Yeah, well, and, of course, it's it's also been a part of Mike McCarthy's history a little bit of those answering or us questioning some game management issues or the way the team's coached or, you know, like last year – you know, they held on every play in the Thanksgiving Day game. They were mad at so many penalties called. And you were like, I go watch the game, and I go, no, no, no. There should have been twenty more penalties called. They held on every play, right? And those are those are coaching failures, and I think that's where you know I I, I don't disagree with your statement there. If it was a blunder like that again, then that I I would go uh oh he might be in trouble tomorrow. If they lost the game and it was ma- bad clock management or whatever situational management at the end of the game, yeah I I hear you there. Uh, and and of course Sean Payton makes a lot of sense because there's a lot of pieces in place da- in Dallas right there to win right now and go. The, the Saints thing is shocking to me, you know, uh, from from a, a a lot of different angles because it's just to me the Saints are. They're a team that's it's going downhill, and I don't think it's going to turn around here anytime soon. This is going to be a tough fix. They are on the cusp of major, major rebuild. Their team has gotten old. We're seeing that. They don't have a quarterback. They have huge salary cap issues, like huge to where they're going to have to let go a lot of guys on the team next year. They're not going to make it under the cap from everything I know and researched about it. So that's where I just would be shocked that Sean Payton goes back to the New Orleans Saints. I feel like he's going to want to pick a team that's a little more like Miami. That's why he wanted to go there last year. That's why Brady wanted to go there. They went and went, oh my gosh, this looks like it's an all-star team about to you know be accumulated here. So that's where I envision it something where he's got a little more you know wiggle room to play with money and players and all that Mike
0: Three important points. Number one, when you said the Saints are going downhill, it reminded me of that classic interview between Larry King and Jerry Seinfeld where Larry King doesn't realize Seinfeld wasn't canceled. And King says, don't all shows go downhill? And Seinfeld says, some people do too. Uh, I digress. (laughs) That was good. Second point. Second point. (laughs) The Saints are in this salary cap supposed purgatory every freaking year. Every year. It's the same thing. Yeah. And every year. Mickey Loomis does something. I don't know what the hell he does, but he does something to fix it and push it all to next year. And meanwhile, the cap keeps going up every year. So you have that wiggle room. You push dollars into a future year and you make it work third. And this is the most important point, And this is why, because I hear stuff all the time that I don't mention that I don't write that it doesn't just – it's, okay, fine, people are talking about it, but that shouldn't be the bar. Yeah. Just because general managers and coaches and other people connected to the owners, whoever, are talking about it doesn't make it worthy in and of itself of mentioning. I think the reality is this. Of all the jobs that could be available to Sean Payton this year, there is nowhere he can go and partner up like Walter White and Jesse Pinkman, Tom Brady, and Sean Payton. I think that's the motivating factor. I think these guys are determined at some point before their football epitaph is written to work together. And the only place they can work together 2023 is New Orleans. That's why I believe that there is reason to pay attention to this. And you know what, Tom Tom Brady and I, what, what, what? Now, he may have to rebuild his portfolio after the whole you know, FTX collapse. I don't know how over-leveraged he was or wasn't in that business. It's gone belly up, and nobody's even asked him about his equity standing in one of the biggest frauds of all time, but I digress again. Uh, he can take whatever he, he takes to play for. If he really wants to play for Peyton, and Peyton really wants to play with him, and they see value in being together, and they can try to make chicken salad out of whatever limitations the Saints roster may have. That's why I think there's something to it, because it allows them to do what they weren't able to do earlier this year. And I think there's a certain amount of middle finger flashing that would go on by Peyton and Brady toward whatever it was that got in their way in the league for slapping down the Dolphins for trying to do it. We're still gonna. We're you can't stop us from doing this. You think you can stop us, but you can't. We're gonna go to New Orleans and we're gonna work together. And it may be a short term stint for Peyton and Brady in New Orleans, but that may be the only place where they can do it. That's why I feel like there may be something to
2: this. Mm, I, it's interesting. I mean, you know, it, it's it's certainly worth thinking about. I I, I don't. I I guess I've kind of feel like I gotta see it to believe it type of thing there. You know, one is it's just. I, for the reasons I mentioned, I just have a hard time thinking Sean Payton's going to go back there. I do, and I understand they keep. Put, we're, we're getting to the point, and I was told by people who were very much in the know last year that this is one of the reasons he got out of New Orleans is that the you know the the chickens were coming home to roost on the salary cap issues. They weren't going to be able to wiggle around this anymore. Alvin Kamara's heard a lot. It's coming to the end. Cameron Jordan is coming to the end. Offensive linemen that were good are getting older. It's they got some that are coming to the end there. You know, Marshawn Lattimore is out of his prime. And, 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 you know, he's still real good, but he's not a top three or four or five corner in football anymore. That's where I have a hard time thinking of that. And then Brady, I, I don't think that's the type of team he wants to go. I mean, Brady, again, he wants to go to the next all-star team that can just, you know, make him look good. Uh, then, I
0: don't think so. I don't think so. You think he's just going to play? I, Chris, I doubt it. I doubt I, it. I mean, I, he's
2: playing like crap, Chris, and the support I, system's me, not let, good, and he's not going to go anywhere that's not good along with it.
0: I I believe that this obsession with getting the next ring, getting the next ring, getting the next ring, I think now that he has, he has entered for 40 days the abyss of being retired and come out on the other end and gotten back into football. I think, and this comes from his weekly Let's Go podcast. I either listen to it or I look at the clips that are sent out, the partial transcript by SiriusXM. I've come to the conclusion, and for me the trigger was after they lost to the Browns, and he said, I'd rather play and lose than not play at all. He said other things since then that make me think he just is happy to still be playing. And he's happy to be competing. And even if he's losing, he's learning something about himself through that process of dealing with that adversity. I think he loves the sport so much that he would play it even if he's not in a situation where he feels like he's rigged it so that he's got that deck that's stacked in his favor. I've come to that conclusion, which would... Which, you know, I want to want to work with Sean Payton. I want to see what it's like.
2: I want to be the quarterback
0: he, in Sean Payton's offense for a year. Yeah. I could I could see that overcoming. I have to get another ring or I'm not going to play. No,
2: I, it goes against everything you've ever said about Tom Brady. Now you're saying he's just cool with playing. He looks he's miserable this year. Changing. He's, he's telling he's, people how horrible the well, year is. I mean, come on, Mike. He's not enjoying himself. He can say whatever he been, wants.
0: I think it's been horrible for other reasons. Well, of I, I course. think it's been horrible for other reasons, and I think, I, I think that he probably doesn't want this to end up being his final year in football, given everything he's gone through personally this year. I, I'm just telling you, Chris. And again, he may be completely and totally full of shit when he says it. Well, he's not I'm you know, getting the to... vibe yeah. that he just wants to play, and if and he's not obsessed with getting another championship, he doesn't feel compelled. To find a spot where he thinks it's all pointing in his favor for another chance. That's just the, the sense I've gotten in in listening to what he says. And again, he said himself, 90% of the stuff he says publicly is crap. Yeah, that, that's so why you would take it. Now he you've got me wondering. It's
2: crap, Mike. Come yeah. on. He doesn't want to make it about him. He's tried, He's telling people, you know, he, he's, he doesn't want to make it like this is his last hurrah. So he doesn't want to make it about him, which I respect. I think he's, and he loves playing. I don't doubt what you're saying. And I think he is the ultimate fighter where he'd rather play than, you know, and lose than not play at all that way. But I don't think that means just go to a team and take a beating and just, you know, try something out to continue to play. I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I, I do not feel the same way you do about that situation. I, I feel like it's, it's all coming to an end. And I, I would be shocked if Brady's back next year. I really would. I'm still not ready to say he won't be,
0: and and he said this week that he doesn't think about retirement. The next time he does, it'll be for good. He's not going to do this short-term retirement. He didn't retire last year, Mike.
2: That's why we can't put water. It wasn't a retirement. He had already put. He wanted to go to Miami. Right. He already put the plans in motions. It was all BS and just cover. It was it was nothing. It was not a retirement.
0: Rodney Harrison's comment from Sunday night also carried weight with me because Rodney knows the guy Rodney interviewed the guy and I don't know if Tom Brady said something to Rodney or if Rodney is just sharing his own opinion without any specific breadcrumb trail back to Brady other than the fact that he's known him for years and I would I would I would listen to Rodney more than I'd listen to most other people if Rodney has this belief That he's going to play next year, but not for the Buccaneers. Rodney believes that. And I I know I know that he said all along he's going to play until he's 45 and he means it and he's not going to play again and, you know, walk away before it all falls apart. But Steve Young said a few weeks ago when they played the Saints on Monday Night Football, guys retire because they can't do it anymore. They don't retire because they can do it and they just choose not to. They retire because they can't do it. And Brady can still do it. I'm out here watching him make these throws. He can still do it. Rodney said something about that similarly the other night. I'm out here watching him. He can still do it. Yeah, his arm's good. So why would you stop if you can still do it? Because
2: look at the horrible plays he made the other night. I mean, he, he played like crap for three and a half quarters. That's why. It was horrible. I mean, that's why. They're playing a horrible team with Trace McSorley. Yeah, his arm's still good. He can't move. He doesn't want to take a hit. He rushes decisions. It's it's just the fact of the nature. And do you think Tom Brady's not smart enough to know that if he throws something out to, to Rodney, that Rodney's not going to go into the mic and say it five minutes later? I mean, come on. So uh, that's where I don't. I don't. I think he knows. I think he's he's trying to fan the flames of not making it all about him at the end here. That would be my two cents on it. But yeah, I, again, I, I I know we can. That's where again, Mike. I mean. You know, I know he could still throw it, so he's got to go to an all-star team, though, because he can't do anything else. That's why he left Tampa. He, I mean, why he left New England. It wasn't good enough. He knew he couldn't carry them. He needed somebody to help carry him, and then he could put the finishing touches on it. And he went to a place that had awesome receivers, and they got Gronk, and they had the best O-line in football and the best D-line in football. And then we all go, look, Brady's still great. And that's, to me, if he's going to play, he's going to go to that. I would just be shocked if he just goes to play to play because I'm Tom Brady and I like playing the game. That goes against everything we've known about the guy. The drive for the rings, to me, is not going to leave Tom Brady if he's going to play football.
0: Well, it gives us something fascinating to keep an eye on in the coming weeks. And if Sean Payton would go back to the Saints – It'd be crazy. And, and I'd be shocked. what would have to happen is they have to fire Dennis Allen. Yeah. They'd have to have the Rooney Rule compliant interviews. They'd have to – it would just be a, a lot of stuff that happens, and then here comes Sean Payton riding back into <laughs> New Orleans amazing. on a white horse to save the day. And then Tom Brady signs in March. I just – no, given hey, what I, we I, know, I mean, and we were knows? ahead of the curve we, – we were ahead of the curve before there was even a curve – on Tom Brady and Sean Payton going to Miami. I'm just telling you, the talk's out there about Payton going back to the Saints. And and I don't think he's going back to the Saints to to coach Andy Dalton or, or to finally activate Taysom Hill fully and completely as a quarterback. I think he'd be going back there because that's where Tom Brady would go and they have that understanding uh, and they already have the agreement in place unofficially before the process starts to play out. Or he could get Derek Carr. Um, <laughs> and this is becoming a thing. Let's listen to Josh McDaniels yeah. from earlier in the week talking about the Raiders' quarterbacks' recent struggles, and then we'll share some thoughts on the other side.
2: I mean, look, it, that's not good enough. You know what I mean? And and for us to be able to win at this time of the year uh, and be productive uh, offensively, you, you have to throw the ball, you know, better than what we've thrown it at times here in the last month and a half. Um, we've been able to win some in spite of that, you know. O- overall, but um, you know, clearly that's not the goal. Uh, the goal would be to mu- be, be be more productive than what what we've been.
1: <clears throat> be a possibility
2: that maybe you didn't turn it I think you. there's a possibility that we would we we would do the right thing regardless of the position. You know what I mean? Just in terms of the team. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. In terms of the forty point four million dollars in injury guarantees that Derek Carr has that vest. Just days after the Super Bowl. They've got a narrow window right after the Super Bowl when the waiver period opens for 2023 to cut Derek Carr. Now, it's considered bad form to do it. When you have guarantees that fully vest in the days after the start of the waiver period, that has always been about managing the whole funding rule and not having to put money into escrow, et cetera, et cetera. That's always regarded as a signal we're keeping the guy. It's when the trigger comes after the start of the league year, that's okay, we have a fair opportunity and a proper opportunity to cut him if we choose to. I think they're thinking, just the way that, McDaniels answered that question they're thinking about putting Derek Carr in bubble wrap for Jared Stidham so they know he's healthy so they can cut him if they choose to after the Super Bowl that's what's best for the organization if they decide they're moving on and people said "Oh, they would trade him you can't trade him because by the time you can trade him the guarantees are going to vest you would have to have a pretty complicated deal where you really trust that next team to follow through otherwise you're on the hook for the $40.4 million in guarantees, and you're stuck with Derek Carr, and you're you're really taking a leap of faith with that much money that becomes fully guaranteed. I think it's hard to trade him. The question is, are they going to cut him? And the way that that question was answered, Chris, that tells me it's a consideration right now for I, the Raiders.
2: I would, I would agree with you there, Mike, that it's, it's on the radar. Uh, those are pretty strong comments from a guy like Josh McDaniels, who usually is... He's the New England way. They don't want to make quarterback controversy. They want to frame the team around the quarterback and make him the general. We know this is a guy that's, you know, a pretty strong leader within that locker room. The guys do like him. So to make those comments, I think at the very least, he's like, you know, putting putting Derek Carr on, on, on blast or giving him a warning a little bit that things got to be better. And I think that's enough is shocking because Josh McDaniels is just not the type of coach to to go that and go blame the quarterback type of conversation. He's going to go, wait, we've got issues with the team first and all of that. But I think here as of late, yeah, I think, you know, it, it's uh, Derek Carr, just kind of when we thought maybe he was getting a hold of the offense, it, it's, it's gotten worse here as of late. And yeah, it's. Staying on reads too long and not getting off them It's right here, you know, not being able to maybe throw the appropriate ball or let the guy get his head around in time. Uh, There's just been a lot of issues within the passing game. And again, like I've said, it's not easy system as far as the changing of, like, language and rules compared to what he was in. But there's too much of this lately. You know, he's too good to be throwing balls off target, missing guys, holding the ball, staring at receivers. Uh, there's just been, yeah, a little bit of a, a step back within the offense, it seems like, with Derek Carr that I think is is concerning some of those coaches out there.
0: Three interceptions against the Steelers on Christmas Eve. And remember when they traded for Devontae Adams, we just assume yeah. they're making the long-term commitment to Derek Carr. This is the, the arrangement those two have been looking for and now they finally have it. And then they give Carr his new contract. And, of course, you know, the, the, the crowd that, I don't know, it's Christmas week. The, 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 there are folks who will just blindly pass along whatever they're told. Oh, 40.4 million and all these guarantees, and it's 40 and a half million a year, and it's this great contract. And when you finally get the document, and you look at it, it's like it's a one year deal for 27 million, and the Raiders can get out of it after that. And nobody wanted to say that at the time because they went out and got Devontae Adams. Oh, oh, no, why oh, don't don't rain on this guy's great contract. Celebrate his great contract. Okay, fine. They're gonna rip it up or at least they're thinking about ripping it up after one year and doing exactly what the contract gives them the power to do. That's the thing about contracts. It gives people power. And the Raiders may take full advantage of their power to rip it up and move on from Derek Carr. And that would be something. And I saw someone suggest on Twitter that maybe Carr would just retire because he said all along, I only ever want to play for the Raiders. That really would be a question, Chris. Is there another team out there that could entice Derek Carr? That's a conversation for another day. But that would have to be part of it for him to continue to play. He'd have to feel like he could go somewhere, and and thrive, and he would have extra incentive to do it because he'd want to stick it to the Raiders at that point.
2: Yeah, sure, and, and I mean he's still at a point of his career where he's got a lot of good football left. I mean I, I don't think his physical skills are diminishing, you know, by any stretch of the imagination right now. You know I think he's a guy that you know worked hard to get get indoctrinated into the John Gruden West Coast type of offense he got there and here he is he's been throwing another curveball he's had a you know a problem adjusting to it adjusting to the the offense the language you know what's expected out of the type of throws a little bit you know there's just a it's a different offense altogether and I think it's it isn't a tough adjust adjustment and I thought he was getting a hold of things it's just kind of shocking to see things go you know the wrong direction here as of late. And too many plays where, you know, just like the interception we saw at the end of that last clip with the Renfro's open down the middle. He's got him, right, on that play he moves up in the pocket the other night against the Steelers. And it just throws a bad ball that floats in the air, and it's not accurate, and it throws it outside. It's just been a little too much of that, and I'm, I'm betting that's frustrating Josh McDaniels and that coaching staff.
0: One team that potentially would be interested in Derek Carr if he's available is the Washington Commanders. They have a quarterback conundrum that has been resolved. We'll tell you who the starter is for Week 17 because the Commanders just told the world who the starter is for Week 17. When PFT Live continues right after this.
1: Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, The threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines
0: Carson Wentz will be the starting quarterback for the Washington Commanders this weekend against the Cleveland Browns. And look, the Commanders barely clinging to the seventh seed in the NFC. By a half game, that tie has them a half yeah. step ahead of the Lions, the Packers, the Seahawks. And so it's simple. Win your next two games and you're in. Browns at home, they should win. Cowboys at home, Cowboys are going to be locked into the five seed most likely right. by week 18. Right. Cowboys can rest their starters. And you know what, Chris? Here's the other thing, too. Strategic benefit. If you let the Commanders win that game, you don't have to worry about Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs if you're the Cowboys. Yeah, You don't have to worry about the Red Hot Lions in the playoffs if you're the Cowboys. Let's go ahead and let the Commanders take a spot here because you never know when you're going to cross paths with them, whoever that seven seed is. If you beat the the who knows who knows you you don't you don't want to have to mess around with aaron Rodgers at lambeau field well you wouldn't have to go to lambeau field never mind you, he would come to you but yeah. still we saw him go we saw him go to dallas we saw what happened i think mike mccarthy would very much like to not have aaron Rodgers in the playoffs and the easy way to do that is say hey we're already locked into the five seed we got nothing more to gain we're gonna rest our starters cooper rush and uh empty the bench and if the Commanders win, so be it. We're about what's best for our team. Oh, and if it keeps Aaron Rodgers out of the playoffs, oops. Oh well. Uh, and then quietly, Mike McCarthy rubs his hands together and is very happy about the development.
2: Well, I, I think you do. You do do what's best for your team. You know, that's that's the number one thing. And you know, I, I certainly could see that being uh, uh, the approach of the Dallas Cowboys. Week eighteen is yeah, we're the number five seed. And we're gonna rest it up this week, so we can go to Tampa or Carolina the next week and whoop up on them, and then get ready for our matchup of of one of the you know top three teams in the in the NFC. So you got to do what's right for your football team there. And yeah, by by the way it looks, it's gonna shake out right now. I, I would think that's what's gonna happen. You know, maybe Dallas starters are in for a drive or two early on in the football game, then they come out, something of that nature. But it, uh, you know, I guess. Hey, I was surprised that, that Ron Rivera went this route, you know, a few weeks ago as far as bringing up Carson Wentz into the quarterback conversation. And, you know, I, I don't know if I – I didn't know if he would actually pull the trigger on this. Uh, it, it is interesting. You know, they've won with Taylor Heineke. I know that. He's made some, you know, mistakes as of late, Taylor Heineke. And I think it's, again, like we've talked about, Mike, a few times over the last few weeks. He's one of those guys too. When you watch film of every game, you go, "Oh man, he should have hit that. He should have thrown that." What? So he leaves plays and points on the board, but but he's clutch like we've talked about, and he's got it done. Uh, but I think Ron Rivera is looking at it like that's not going to get it done against the better teams in football, and I think that's what he probably looked at last week against the you know, the 49ers. We can't just play defense and hope our co- our quarterback doesn't mess the game up and think we're going to beat a team like the 49ers and the Eagles going forward. then I think that's where he looks at Carson Wentz and goes, wait, there's a greater potential. If Carson Wentz can play well, I got the team in the spot right now where Carson Wentz will be able to take advantage, make more explosive plays, and make them a more dangerous offense and make you defend more of the field because of his big arm. So there is greater potential there. But as we know, Mike, with Carson Wentz, he can do some dumb crap too. And it's just about him finding the line of, yeah, making plays and doing dumb crap and finding that, that sweet spot that works for him. And remember, we talked about this earlier. Martin Mayhew, the GM of the team,
0: either him or someone at his behest, called every franchise in the off season to see if their quarterback was available. They – considered Jimmy Garoppolo and then came the shoulder issue they tried to get Russell Wilson and they probably should be very happy that that didn't work out because they would have given up a lot more than they gave up to get Carson Wentz but when Wentz came in it was obvious he's number one Taylor Heineke's number two right period then Wentz has that win at Chicago on a Thursday night remember that was the press conference for Ron Rivera got got upset and and stormed off yeah
2: and, defended
0: you know, Carson like, well, Wentz. well he's all in with Wentz right He's he's only with Wentz, and then we find out Wentz has a busted finger. Right. So then Heinecke comes in. They win. They win five out of six games or something like that. I mean, yeah. they get hot. And he took and, a uh, shot at Carson uh, and then, Wentz, and then cool and then said, "What bit. is
2: Heinecke doing? Winning?" Yeah. He took the worst shot of anybody in of he- yeah. all of us, uh, Carson Wentz. Um, I know, Mike. It, it it is an interesting turn of events. What do you? What about you, though? Do you? Would you have done this? Do you agree with this decision? You know, what what, what do you think about it overall? What's your two cents? I feel like Taylor Heineke's ceiling
0: is lower than Carson Wentz's. Right, and right. there are too many moments when Heineke plays where you just get lucky in that that ball that he threw up for grabs didn't get snatched out of the air by the defense in yeah. return for a touchdown. Yeah, How right. many, it seems like there's one of those every game right. where it should have been a pick six the other way. When they beat the Packers, there were multiple of those moments, and it just worked out as a matter of pure luck. Well, yeah. you can't keep flipping the coin and having it comes up heads over and over and over again. And so Wentz is healthy. Wentz played. They were very happy with what Wentz did. It was his first game action since that Bears game on October 13. So he's – look, at a certain point, you take a step back and say, okay, both guys are healthy. Both guys are playing at an acceptable level. Which is the guy that we brought in here to be the starter? Why is this even a conversation? Of course it's Carson Wentz at this point. And that's why we we see when the backup is playing well – and the starter is injured, and the starter gets healthy, but the backup keeps playing. That's because the backup's playing well. The moment the backup cools off, that's when you go back to the starter. We've seen that time and again. Yeah. So with the season on the line, they're putting their best foot forward. Even though both guys have flaws, I feel like Wentz has the higher ceiling. Yeah. And uh, and and so I understand it, and and I, I it's hard to second-guess the outcome because I think the commanders have ridiculously overachieved this year, especially when you consider all the crap – that Ron Rivera's had to deal with at the top of the organization, distracting his players, how right. he's kept them focused and motivated and driven. And, and I think that's part of it too. It's not just a meeting of the coaching staff and deliberation there. I, I think one of the reasons it took until Wednesday is he probably wanted to take the pulse of the team and make sure that guys understood sure. or just see where they were because you don't want to have the, uh, a schism in your locker room when you've got two games you have to win in order to punch your ticket to the postseason.
2: Yeah, that's right. And he's usually pretty good, it seems like, at gauging the temperature of his football team, Ron Rivera. he, did, he does. He's great in that department. And I think the other thing, too, that you, know, you're, you were kind of alluding to is, you know, we, we've hit on this a little. Yeah, you said it. The potential of Wentz is greater. And I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what he can do. With this Washington football team as of right now, again, like they're you know you said it, they had all the dysfunctional things off the field, and they weren't good early in the year. You know that's where that's where I, I I want people to realize like yeah Carson Wentz wasn't great early in the year, but there was issues with the team, and you know that's where I felt bad for him. They kind of got the offensive line and the run game going as soon as he got hurt. And we haven't got to see him with this cast of characters or this new formula. And that's where I think he can be dangerous to the potential point because they can run the ball pretty effectively. They've run the ball on just about everybody except the 49ers. And now you go, oh, wait, with Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson and a guy that, you know, can stand in the pocket and, and throw the ball down the field and we protect well enough to do that? I, th- there, there is some th- – you know, there's some things here to go, ooh, they, they could be dangerous here. And and that's where I'm excited to see. So let's see what they do against Cleveland this weekend. And maybe that's what they're looking at. Maybe they're going, hey, we, we feel like we could beat Cleveland. You know, Dallas, another game to kind of get his feet wet. We don't expect them to be playing their starters. And then we can go in the wild card round, and he should be full system go here and be a dangerous offense. Um, we'll see if that happens. But I, I do think there's a potential for that.
0: And let's see where they are in this week's. Power rank. Oh. The 49ers beating the commanders yes the pft power rankings presented by google pixel there's a new number one team and you know it kind of dawned on me on monday night usually during the monday night game is when i put these together i was looking at the top teams the eagles lost so they have to fall the eagles aren't going to stay put i know jalen hurts is injured and when he's healthy they're still one of the best teams in football but they lost so they had to fall so it's like, well, do I bump the Bills up to number one? Well, it wasn't exactly an inspiring performance in Chicago. Yeah, they won 35-13, but the Bears, what did the Bears really have? And then the Chiefs, I mean, yeah. And it's like, you know, the 49ers dismantled a playoff team. Playoffs? Yeah. They've dismantled a the playoff team. Right. And the 49ers, like, who's the best team in the NFL right now? It's the 49ers. Well, why aren't they number one then? Let's make them number one. And it's kind of hard to argue with that logic. Who's the best team right now?
2: It's the 49ers. They are number one. I, I, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to see you go this route. That's right. The hell with the record and what happened back in October and September and all that. You're saying it right. I mean, they're the hottest team in the game right now. There, it, there's the one weakness we were worried about was the quarterback who's a rookie and Mr. Irrelevant. He's kind of thriving. It's like you don't even realize the offense is playing a rookie that was a Mr. Irrelevant. And then, you know, again, to more of what you're saying, yeah, it's it's eight wins in a row. And it's not like eight wins, like, we're squeaking it out here. That's, like, again, what you're saying. It's dismantlement, okay? I don't know if that's a word or not, but I'm going with it to, to make it more strong. It's dismantlement of teams, okay? I mean, it's it's domination, I mean, even like the Seahawks 21-13 game, that was misleading. We, we, they dominated from get-go. But to kill the Buccaneers the week before that, you know, to beat the Dolphins by 16, to shut out the Saints 13 nothing, the Cardinals 38-10, to I mean, it's not just win games. It's like control them from start to finish, and you feel like the other team's just hanging on to kind of keep it competitive. Uh, so I'm with you, Mike. Good job by you. Way to go. By the way,
0: accidental scholar.
2: Yeah, dismantlement. dismantlement. Boom. Work. Yes. yes, felt like it worked. It just active of taking
0: something apart. Woo! You even you even used it properly. Sometimes, sometimes your made up words <laughs> that actually end up being real words don't quite fit, but you you're, you're two for two. You accidentally nailed it. And it means exactly what you expect it. to mean. It's the act of taking something apart, which is exactly what the 49ers did to the Commanders on Saturday. Uh, elsewhere, uh, not a whole – I mean, we kind of know who is where. And, you know, you lose a game, you fall a spot, you win a game, you move up a few. The Jaguars in the top ten, I'm sure you can get behind that. They've been your darlings all year all long. Year. They deserve the spot that they currently have as the 10th best team in football. I, I and, and, again, the top – Five, six teams are the ones that I think the Super Bowl champion will come from. It's going to be a longer shot once you get past the Cowboys for any of these other teams to to rise up and and win it all. We felt that way for a few weeks now.
2: Yeah, agreed. Uh, you can you can put that top six however you want, but yeah, I'm still in that thought process that that group's above the rest of football and. Um I you know, again, like we've talked about every week, like what's the teams or the teams we look at that can maybe upset that formula there. And as another week in the books, it feels like I feel like there's less teams that can upset that formula as we can continue to go here. Really. And you know, we'll see with Baltimore. Uh, I don't know. I, I'd like to see them with Lamar Jackson before the playoffs. They're the one team I look at there. The Dolphins were a team that I thought could maybe be dangerous here, but man. They got some struggles ahead of them, and that was a bad look last week after kind of outplaying the Packers and screwing it up. Um, But I'm with you, Mike. I am shocked that you moved Philly to four. I thought at least you maybe would make them two. I'd probably still have them at two, but uh, I'm not mad at you for having the Bills and Chiefs there. I I don't think it's like egregiously they're less than the Eagles. It'd be a very close football game for sure.
0: Well, and the injuries are piling up for the Eagles as well. We talked about yeah. that some yesterday, and that's part of where you are and who you are at this stage of the season. You stay healthy most of the year. Now all of a sudden you've got multiple guys who aren't available, and you wonder how long that's going to last and if it's going to linger into the postseason. At Sam Bivalent 01 has this question. Who from 8 to 14 do you guys give the best shot of making a surprise conference championship appearance and you mentioned the Ravens I, I think the Ravens could do it simply because Chris and they're at number eight yep. Uh three spots behind the Bengals at five if the Bengals lose to the Bills on Monday night and if the Steelers lose to the Ravens on Sunday night it sets up week 18 conference cha- or and AFC North championship game if the Ravens win the division get that first-round game at home and win it. They just have to win a game on the road. Not that it's going to be easy, but if they go to Kansas City, I, ca- I could see, whether it's the Bills or the Chiefs, I, I could see one of those teams stumbling as they think ahead to the inevitable rematch between Buffalo and Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. I think those teams are going to be vulnerable to, to getting picked off by a team like the Ravens in the divisional round. So I would say the Ravens of the teams from 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 eight to fourteen, that's the one to me that stands out as a potential
2: conference yeah, championship right, participant. Right. I, I think that that's definitely one of the teams for me. The other team I'd maybe throw in there is the Chargers. I could they see things the the Chargers fall the right way, you know, where they they could be a pain in the butt. You know, like, you know, again, it's, you know, who's to say, they, you know, just with that quarterback, Joey Bosa healthy, Brandon Staley, creative defensive mind, you know, that they'd be one team I'd look at. If Rashawn Slater gets healthy, you know, again, they're they could end up playing a team like Buffalo and Kansas City or, you know, Buffalo in the divisional round. Where they don't run the ball all that well, so that's not going to stress the Chargers' bad run defense out to where they can play pretty good pass defense. You know, I'm with you in the Ravens. I think that'd probably be my number one pick, especially with a, a healthy Lamar. I guess the Chargers, to our uh, at sambivalent number one, there would be the the other team that's on my radar.
0: But 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 I think it's a real concern. Chiefs and Bills divisional round if they aren't playing each other, and they likely won't be. Right? They can't be. If they win they've won their divisions, they 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 would meet at at earliest in the championship round, the way it's falling. Um it it it's dangerous for both of those teams in the divisional round because they're gonna be thinking the rematch, that epic playoff battle, and maybe you lose sight of this one because you start thinking a little bit. Oh, I I'm next, with you. I, I'd worry about, about that,
2: segment. Mike, even if in the wild card round. I'd worry about, like, the way it stands right now. I'd be worried that, like, okay, yeah, uh, right now as it stands, Kansas City would be playing Miami in the first round, right? Oh, Tyree Kills coming to town, all of that stuff. Uh, I'd be worried about that. And then, oh, wait, you know, then you could have Burrow, the number three seed, you know, playing the, playing the Chargers. Like, I mean, that that's kind of scary for both of those. There, I could see them both looking down the road a little bit, going, Oh, Mahomes is on the horizon, or Burrow's on the horizon, and you know, Allen after that, and losing sight of you know the the challenge in front of them." I hope it doesn't happen, but um, yeah, there's some there's some scary matchups, and the AFC's dangerous with some of these teams and weapons they got on the offensive side of the ball.
0: That is the great thing about the postseason, though. It Doesn't matter how good your your regular season was you get thrown onto the playoff tree that's your spot and it goes from there and it's 60 minutes of football and things can get turned upside down all the time all right a little after further review for week 16 we'll do that when pft live continues right after this
1: John's waiting for the shotgun snap. Hands it off. Stevenson stacked up. Ball's ball out. is out. It's out. The Bengals, Bengals are celebrating. Turnover They've got it. That
0: should
2: be Golden. Now. nails. Bam. Bam.
0: Bam. Birdie under center. Toss. Going to fake it and roll to his left and will throw wide open. Kittle underneath. 20. Block. 10. 5. George Kittle. Touchdown again. What action there by Brock Birdie. Rocking and rolling, baby.
2: 61-yard dry right hash. Joseph with a big
0: leg and
2: Merry Christmas, Minnesota Vikings fans.
0: Well done. Well done. That's getting better and better every week. That's getting better and better every week with the the graphics and the the effects and sorry to you, New York Giants. Damn, Chris, that hurt that is funny. He's lining up for a 61-yard field goal. My son and I are watching the game down in the barn. And my son's like, why why are they having him try a 61-yard field goal? It's just going to shake his confidence when he misses it. And and he's usually the glass half full. I was thinking, I had a feeling he's going to make this. I don't know why, but, boy, he drilled it. He nailed it. And uh, that was a fun game to watch, especially because of the outcome. And, And because, as we get ready for our Picks podcast tomorrow, Christopher – Last week I picked Vikings twenty seven, Giants twenty four. Third time this year. Wow, did the, the blind awesome. squirrel feast on the acorn by getting the score absolutely right? I'd never done more than one right in a year all, all season long. This is three. I'm feeling pretty good, especially and also also we disagreed on three games last week and you won them all. We'll, we'll defer we'll defer that until tomorrow's <laughs> next podcast. All right. After further review, you saw at the beginning of the or you heard at the beginning the call. From the Ramondre Stevenson fumble in the Bengals Patriots game. This was one that prompted the only pool report of the week. There's been pool reports, multiple it seems like, every week as referees or Walter Anderson, the senior VP of officiating, have to explain something that happened unusual as it relates to one of the calls made or not made. Ramondre Stevenson had his forward progress stopped, but. The legs were still moving. He was still moving. He was still trying to fight for extra yardage, Chris. The ball came out. Some Patriots fans would argue that the play should have been whistled dead as he's shoved backward. But he's still trying to make something happen. The ball comes out after he's pushed backward. And the conclusion was that his forward progress had not been stopped. He hadn't been controlled by the defense. He'd been blocked from going any farther but he had not been yet controlled right. by the defense. The legs were still moving, and yep. he was still trying to go forward.
2: Yeah, it, it's a tough one, and I understand Patriots fans' thoughts and and their everything there. You know, this is this is a cl- it's close. It really is. But you know, I think when you know you take into account, I, I think they're kind of saying it the right way with the right language. You know, the legs were still free. This is a guy that. I've seen in this position almost every game this year, and he's gotten out of it and made runs. So that's where I can't be mad at the refs, you know, not having a quick whistle here. The the Patriots and Romandre Stephens have benefited a lot of times from him breaking out of these type of moments or bouncing off guys after going backwards and then being able to redirect. Uh, It was a great play by Von Bell. And, yeah, just a little unfortunate there, the positioning of the body and all that. But I didn't have a problem with the call, Mike. I did not. You know, I didn't think it was to, to the way they've explained it. I didn't think it was forward momentum stopped to the point where, wait, he's locked up, he can't go anywhere, and the play's over. You know, I, I, I think I would have been just like them. I would have gave it a little bit of a, an extra second or two here to see at this point right here, wait, this guy's really strong and he's got incredible leg strength and balance and all that. And I've seen him break out of those type of plays. And uh, so I'm not going to be mad at this one in order to have forward progress the runner has to be controlled by
0: the defense that's what craig rolstad said to mike reese of espn.com after the game he has to be held and controlled and basically have his feet taken away we felt that he still had his feet so we did not feel that he was held and controlled by the defense he was still free to gain yardage and also obviously there was a chance he could fumble yeah stevenson after the game acknowledged that maybe he should have just gone down. He was trying to make something happen, doing more than he was supposed to do probably. And he didn't have any complaint with it. It was just disappointing because I think anytime a team is down 22, nothing, unless you're a fan, an ardent supporter of the team that had that lead, you, you kind of like to see the comeback. You like to see it continue. I can't believe it's 22, 18 and the Patriots score and the Bengals have a chance to retake the lead. So uh, I think that was the only thing that was disappointing about it. That drive petered out instead of resulting in a touchdown, but I didn't have a problem with it either. No. I can understand why Patriots fans would be upset, but that's yeah. why they explain it. And we're not going to disagree with every explanation. Some people think we just disagree with every explanation. No. Sometimes we will agree with with what the league has to say about a, a controversial call.
2: Uh, right, and and you know, and again, I think the being wrapped up is the big thing. You know, again, if we showed that play one more time, he's being hit by DJ Reader who's being blocked by two guys and you know there's there's it is it's just bodies hitting him backwards at that point right here there's nobody's got a control of him there's a guy with a hand on his shoulder so i think that's where if you're a referee yeah you let that go you know you you don't stop that nobody's got anything wrapped around him or in control of him at that moment and good job by Von Bell punching it out
0: Here's what we talked about yesterday as it relates to the fine that will be imposed if it hasn't already on Patriots quarterback Mac Jones for the low block on Bengals cornerback Eli Apple. What preceded that, and you pointed this out, it looked like a fumble. It was ruled an incomplete pass, but also intentional grounding because it was Mac Jones just trying to get rid of the ball before he got sacked. The question that you raised, Chris, was whether or not that ball was kind of coming out before we see that left-handed, just just get the ball away and... And hope that it
2: counts as an incomplete pass maneuver, right? And you know, I to me, when his hand was there, under, it is there. It is there when, when his hand was underneath the ball, and if we can rewind that part right there again, I mean, he had no control of the ball when his hand was underneath it. It's it's just laying in there. So I don't understand how they called that a forward pass. There was no control of the football when he started the forward motion of the hand. It was just laying in there. There was no grabbing of it or anything. So I was I was shocked. This is one of those where I, like, started watching another game going, okay, that one's over, and I went, wait, wait, New England's got the ball? How, how could that be? And so, I, I don't know, Mike. I know originally, Mike, you thought maybe it was, a, it was a forward throw, you know, seeing some of these angles and being able to digest it a little bit more. Look, even in that shot right there, the ball's rolling around in his hand before he even starts to throw it forward. So, I don't know, Mike. What maybe I'm wrong here, you got a different perspective of this? Well, this is something that we always encourage the folks
0: to do when it's time to talk about replay review. The ruling on the field was incomplete pass, right? Yeah. Um and they upheld it. Was it challenged? I assume it was challenged, but if the ruling on the field was incomplete pass. It was challenged, pass, yeah. And it, okay. I I think it's not clear and obvious. ...that it wasn't a pass. And that's the thing we always have to remember. Clear and obvious evidence. I think there's enough there that makes it not clear, not obvious... ...that it wasn't a pass. And is it close? Yes, but close isn't the standard. It has to be clear and obvious that the ruling on the field was incorrect. And the thing that really stunned me... ...and we talked about this yesterday with the low block... ...how was that not flagged? As he's running down the field and clearly dives at the legs... ...after a change of possession... No low block is permitted by either team after a change of possession. And we saw it, and they didn't flag it. And that's what it should have been. It should have been intentional grounding plus another flag on top. Of or it, or it needs to be those, in the grasp.
2: Uh, something there. You know, Again, if you can't hit the quarterback, you're not allowed to tackle him, which, again, we're seeing that around the league too. How many plays did we see last week where quarterback was – hit over the last two weeks right and the guy didn't hit him that hard and let it go because they thought they saw his arm go and now the quarterback's running around because he didn't throw the football but they didn't want to finish the hit because they're scared to tackle the quarterback you know and that that to me is another thing to talk about here if you're not allowed to hit the quarterback and really hit him hard then once you got him in that position we're going to just allow this to be a forward pass now to get rid of it like that, that that has a problem to me and i don't like that call altogether but, I, you know that that's where i don't love that all, all of it but remember it's not just in the
0: grasp it's grasp and control that was a big thing like in the 80s or 90s when they first hatched that yeah. concept of grasp and control and we didn't really know what it meant and it was a big controversy at the time you don't see it called very often anymore and some Patriots fans would say that Eli Manning was in the grasp and control at the end of Super Bowl 42 before he threw the ball to David Tyree. But, but that's, that's the key. It's grasp and control, and he's still able to get rid of the football so he wasn't under control. And I just think there isn't enough evidence to say the ruling of a pass was incorrect. It's not clear and obvious that that wasn't a pass. There's no requirement that you have great form. Any motion like that can count as a pass, and I, just, I don't think it was enough to say it was a fumble. All right, we need to take a break. We'll take a look at some of the best catches from week 16 when PFT Live continues right now, this. JJ Watt, a three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year, announcing yesterday that his daughter saw... Her first ever NFL game. It was his last ever NFL home game. Christmas night. My heart is filled with nothing but love and gratitude. It's been an absolute honor and a pleasure. J.J. Watt, a first-round pick back in 2011. He had a great story. Went to Central Michigan as a tight end. Took a chance on himself. Walked on at Wisconsin after that. Delivered pizza. You've heard that story over the years. And then became a great, great player. Hall of Famer. Three-time defensive player of the year. Part of the best teams the Texans have ever been able to put together, and we see how bad they are now. J.J. Watt, one of the truly best defensive players, Chris, of all time.
2: Yeah, I I think he's one of those guys where, you know, like Deion Sanders said last year, right? Like, I need a different gold jacket than the rest of these guys, right? You know, I think J.J. Watt's in that club. Like, he deserves a gold jacket that's like, it's got some gold in it. It's Hall of Fame of the Hall of Fame his first ballot hall of famer. And like you're saying, he's one of the greatest defenders of all time. I mean, he was, he embodies everything, made plays, made teams change game plans to play them. He was an unstoppable force there for a period of his career. And uh, that was up there with anybody in the history of the sport.
0: And when I saw that yesterday, part of me was hoping the Cardinals would waive him. He would presumably pass through waivers who knows though, but then he could go to Pittsburgh and, Partner up with his brother TJ for you know the last game or two of that. I just it's I I've wanted to see them play together. Wouldn't it be nice to see them play together, even if only for one game? Not that the Steelers would want to add him, but why wouldn't you want to add him at this point? He's still playing great. He stayed healthy and he's been playing great, Chris. But he'll finish the string with the Cardinals and then he'll he'll move on to the next chapter of his life. But it has been a great run for him in the NFL. Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of the program right after this.
1: Here it
2: is. The season's on the line. Two receivers left and right. McCown takes the snap. He steps up. He's all by himself. Fires into the end zone. Caught. Touch! Touchdown! No! No! The Cardinals have knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs. I believe it was caught by Nate Poole. He's being mocked by his Cardinal teammates. They're Minnesota Vikings crying on the field. Oh, boy, I remember
0: that one well. I remember that one all too well. That was 19 years ago today on the same day of the Drew Pearson offensive pass interference that wasn't called. And that, Chris, that catch of a ball thrown by our friend Josh McCown at the time, if you were shoved out of bounds, they could rule right, that, that you, you would have, have gotten in. your feet right, in. Right, They've since changed that rule. That's one of the only rule changes over the past 50 years that, that curtail offense. But they don't do that judgment anymore that you would have gotten your feet in if you hadn't been pushed out. You've still got to get your feet in. So that would have been Vikings' win under the current rules. Under those rules... Cardinals win, and Vikings miss the
2: play. Yeah, I, I, that was my rookie year in the NFL. I can remember that. I mean, that was that was a shocking moment. It really was. What a throw by McCown, first off. I mean, you could tell that's why he hung around for so long. He's got great physical ability. But, man, I feel like with the Vikings, we could probably pay, like, a, a daily hit uh, here from here on out. Like, on this date, blah, 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 uh, I, they I, lost I, a big game. I know. <laughs>
0: Uh, I, know. I know. Let's start it By tomorrow. The way, that was
2: Paul Allen. Yes,
0: that was Paul Allen. Uh, his voice sounds very different 19 years later. I don't know why, but that was Paul Allen, and this was PFT Live. Enjoy your day. We'll see, see
2: ya. You
1: the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal.